This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. This month on Broadcast we're talking about contextualisation and we'll be looking at how to plant a church that suits both the area that you're in but also yourself as a church planter. In this podcast we're going to bring you a recent talk that Colin Barron did at Christchurch Manchester on the subject of overcoming rejection. Rejection is one of those things that has a huge shaping impact on our lives and on what we bring to the church plant and it's something that many of us need to wrestle with and engage with as we look to plant a church. We hope you enjoy this content and you can find all the notes on it at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 61. We've also got a couple of hangouts coming up this month, Uh, the first of which is with Liam Thatcher. That will be on Thursday, February the 16th at 7.30pm UK time, and that will be about how to reach your context. And then the following week with Andy McCulloch on February the 23rd, we'll look at contextualisation on the ground. Further details on both of these hangouts can be found on the website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. So here is Colin Barron talking about rejection. Though I saw it coming, it still hurts. Next one. It hurts, but I'm still used to it. Let's go for the next one. The worst feeling in the world is knowing you did the best you could and it still was not good enough. A boo is much louder than a cheer. If you have ten people cheering and one person booing, all you hear is the booing. That was Lance Armstrong. The cyclist. I don't know if any of those resonate with you. I don't know if you've ever felt any of those or even articulated any of those. Rejection is a big issue in the UK. Rejection in lots of people is uh, a thing that hinders them in all walks of life. Carrying personal rejection, whether it was from a home life, whether it's from a boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse, a friend, a business partner, a neighbour even, lots of people carry rejection actually for a lot of their lives. And I want to look this morning at Moses and I want to look at this great man of God and how he had to handle rejection. See, rejection comes in every form for every person, whether you're a leader of two million people whether you're just growing up on your own, actually, we all have to handle rejection. And so I want to look this morning, I say, at Moses and basically how rejection affected him. And then I think some of these things you will identify with and then some clues on how we can overcome those things. So... Basically, I want to pick up 
the story of Moses actually from Acts, and uh, there's many chapters in the Bible on on Moses, so I'm just going to pick a few verses out and try and put the narrative together so that you can understand the story and some of the context. And in Acts, Stephen is actually doing a defense of the gospel. He's defending to the leaders. In fact, Saul, who became Paul, was part of the crowd there of the Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again. And uh, he's doing this and trying to give the people who are listening an Old Testament reference to actually understand uh, about the Lord Jesus. And part of his defense was going back to Moses. And uh, he said this about Moses. This was the same Moses whom you rejected with these words. Who made you ruler and judge? So Stephen is picking up uh, a part of the Exodus narrative where Moses, who had been brought up in Pharaoh's palace, all the the, uh, Israelite babies had been killed, but his mother and father managed to hide him eventually in a little basket and the banks of the Nile Pharaoh's daughter found him and actually brought him up in the ruler's household it was a miracle in itself that actually he was saved and he knew actually there was something of the sovereignty of God on his life that somehow God had chosen him out of all the babies of Israel to be something special and one day as he's walking around he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite and he has this mixed life. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was born to Hebrew parents but brought up in an Egyptian household. He was actually in some sense probably quite confused in his identity. We've adopted three kids and I know what it's like for them to try and figure out where they place their identity, especially as they're going through teenage life. And uh, I'm sure that was part of uh, Moses's kind of walk. And he sees this Egyptian beating up an Israelite and he realises that's his roots, his roots are in there. So he goes and tries to stop this Egyptian and actually kills him. And he looks around... Nobody watching, so he buries him. Next day, he's walking, and he sees two Israelites fighting each other. And he, he can't get his head around this. Why would the people of God be fighting each other? And he goes to try and break it up. And one of them turns around to him and says, I saw you yesterday kill that Egyptian. And so, totally scared, he runs Away, And this verse comes from that because the guy who saw him, the Israelite who saw him, said these words. Moses, who made you ruler and judge over us? So the very Hebrews he was trying to help basically made this accusation and actually basically rejected him. They were very saying, you were brought up in Pharaoh's household. You had nothing to do with us. Now, and he was scared. He thought the Egyptians were going to kill him, so he ran away. And I want to look at three or four things of how this incident affected Moses. And uh, I think you'll see that rejection has a powerful effect on our lives. 
So, the first thing I want to look at is how did this rejection alter the way that Moses saw himself? Now, it says in Acts, and this is Stephen carrying on his narrative, his understanding of Moses. It says this, Moses, at that time in verse Acts 6.20, says this, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. So that was the perspective of the Bible on Moses. That was should have been Moses' perspective on himself. And then Stephen says this about Moses, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Okay? So that's Moses. Okay? That's the true Moses. That's the real Moses. And then we want to look at, well, how did Moses see himself? You would have thought exactly the same way. Okay? But we see that when God finds Moses actually looking after some sheep 40 years after this incident that happened. God has a plan for Moses. God wants Moses to go back to the Egyptians and rescue two million people. And he was set aside for this. He was born for this. He was saved for this very task. So God said to Moses, go. The bush was burning He had the glory of God in his face. He was taking off his sandals because the ground he was standing on was holy ground. It was such an amazing time. And God says, now go back. Stephen understood Moses as being one of eloquent, well-educated. He'd have been a university uh, graduate, top of the class. And Moses said this to God. When God asked him to go, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech. For 40 years, Moses had been looking after some sheep, thinking about the time his fellow Jews rejected him. It had got so into his soul that he began to have a skewed image of himself. So this person who was amazingly educated, born to be a leader, trained to be a leader in Pharaoh's household, his view of himself was a terrible. I am never been eloquent, not in the past, nor now. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can have such a down on myself. You know, I remember when uh, I was preaching in my young 20s, and I thought I was a reasonable speaker. In fact, I thought I was a great speaker. (laughs) I realised that may not be quite true, but I tell you what, one day someone came to me and just told me how rubbish I was as a communicator. I mean, absolutely. Someone I respected, someone said, you'll never, ever be a preacher. You know what? It affected me for years. Somehow, I may need a slight adjustment, (laughs) but I totally, totally bore 
what was being said. You know what? And I just let it get into my system. You know what? From someone who God has gifted, <laughs> suddenly you have a skewed view of yourself. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. You have a skewed image of yourself, of your looks, your ability, just so much of who you are actually gets distorted through the eyes of rejection. It's amazing, isn't it? Just one comment to Moses. Who are you? And actually changes his whole perspective of himself. And 40 years of unresolved rejection made him like a worm. It's him actually from a conqueror, from a leader, to someone who basically saw his identity looking after some sheep in a wilderness. How skewed can you get? I can tell you this, I've talked to many people who are attractive, who are able, who've got gifts, skills, and their view of themselves just is so skewed and it's because somehow they're still dealing with unresolved rejection rejection can also make it difficult to say yes how many times have I been asked to do things and I've said no and I've said no because I'm scared of failure I've said no because and that is exactly what happened to Moses when God was said to Moses through this amazing incident of him coming in to, 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 to Moses in the wilderness he said now go and Moses said this who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt but Moses said also please Lord send someone else okay. here was the man who had been rescued he knew he was rescued he, he would know that there was no other babies of his age in Israel of males because they had been obliterated he was the only one of his generation who am I? Rejection is a massive thing. Gets into your spirit. How often have you been asked to do something, whether it's in church, at university, at work, and actually, even though something in you thinks I can do it, there's something bigger at work in your life, something deeper, that's actually causing you to say, I can't. And uh, Moses, that was what was happening to him. Another massive thing about rejection is this. It can actually attract rejection. I had somebody the other day who I knew was dealing with rejection actually do something that made a load of people reject them. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what? You've just compounded this rejection. Have you, have you, have you, have you, have you noticed that with some people? Some people who isolate themselves, who are rejected, and then actually make it that you reject them. Have you? That's almost like anything you do seems to cause a counter thing. 
whether you go and talk to them, they reject you, and if you back off, they feel rejected. Do you understand? It's like self-fulfilling. That's what rejection does. If you deal with rejection and you have rejection, it actually has this kind of... Um, it, it makes rejection happen. It says it this: it says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. It's, you know, it's even like the Lord was getting cross. <laughs> the Lord's slow to anger. Boy, if that's the Lord, how much does rejection when it's happening in in life? Big stuff, isn't it? Rejection, and I think some of you either have been involved with it because you feel rejected and you know what it is living with that or you're actually trying to help someone who's living with rejection do you understand it's part of our life together and it's a big a big thing rejection can also turn negative quickly if you had carrying rejection actually things that go wrong you get very negative about them quickly for Moses, he eventually said, yeah, God, I will go to Pharaoh. Goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh turns him down, says, you cannot bring these people out of Egypt. In fact, made it even worse. He says, because you've even asked me, I'm going to make them work harder as slaves, the people. But for Moses, it's almost like immediately he says this. He said, oh Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name? He has brought trouble upon this people and you have not rescued your people at all. If you are living with rejection, when something goes wrong, you quickly compound it. Jim? Your, it's like your paradigm instead of thinking okay let's have another go let's try and figure this out your paradigm immediately is it's all wrong God you shouldn't even got me I told you God this was going to happen rejection's a big big thing and so I don't know if any of these ring true to you I don't know if you in your own life have felt like this is me you know, I'm dealing with rejection. I would honestly say this. We're all at some point going to deal with rejection. All, always. It's, it's part of life. We'll look at the Lord Jesus as I close. But I just want to look at some ways that we can deal with rejection. Okay? Because in a sense, it's a big thing. We need to find ways to... To deal with. So there's, there's many ways to look in this, but I want to look at some action and some thinking. Okay? Some action and some thinking. First of all, some action. It's interesting when Jesus sent the 12 and the 70 on mission, the one thing he knew was a certainty is this they would get rejected. It was a kind of certainty, it was a done deal that part of the fact is not everybody would like them. Not everybody would welcome them. And so, in the short narrative, in the short instructions they give them, it's like he highlights one thing in particular. What do you do when you feel rejected, when you get rejected for the gospel? And he says this, that... uh, uh, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave your home or town. Just stand up for a second. Please. 
You see, this is what he said. He said this, when, you, when somebody rejects you, you've got two options. One is you take that rejection on yourself, and you feel personally that it's your fault. Okay? That's actually the way most of us handle it. He said, but actually, it isn't your fault, it's their fault, because I've sent you, and it's they who are rejecting you. So he said this, there's a physical action to do. See, in the Old Testament, if a village rejected the people of God, they would walk out and they would do this. They would wipe the dust from their feet. Can you start doing that? You see, what it was is a physical action. It's basically saying, don't let this rejection stick to you. It's not yours. It's actually there. Just keep going. I want you now, as you're doing this, I want you to think of a time when someone rejected you. And you're still thinking about it. Just think about that. I want you to say, God, hey, I want to wipe this off my feet. Just think, just, God, I want to pray. Would you bring to someone's memories now? Rejection that still lingers a bit. Just keep going. Go on, keep fitness as well. <laughs> okay. Okay, you can stop now. Lord, I want to pray. Just stay standing a second. I want to pray for anybody, even as I've been talking up to now, has had something drop into their mind or something they know is unresolved rejection, especially if it's undeserved. I pray in the name of Jesus now that it will leave people, that they would be able to leave it behind. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit down. So, second thing, it says this as an action. Do not, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. (coughs) Anger, rejection, gets all mixed up together. And there's another appropriate reaction is this. Try and deal with it before you go to sleep. Because you know when you go to sleep angry, rejected you know what it gets in your head actually it doesn't get resolved, it gets worse the next day that's why the Bible says come on, there's something you can do and can you see what these actions are they are saying try and deal with it as quick as you can you see 40 years not dealt with for Moses caused a massive skew of his character and of who he understood himself to be. Okay? And want to try and deal with that. So there's other actions, but that's just a couple of actions. Now, some appropriate thinking. Okay? So, first bit, and we'll quickly run these through these. You are a child of God. You're born again. You're God's holy beloved. The one he died for. Born again, new creation. A place in heaven for you. There's nothing better. There's nobody got a better thing. You were without hope and God in the world and now you have hope and God. It's the truth. You were wonderfully and are wonderfully made. 
It is a lie that you're no good. It's a lie that you look not good. <laughs> it's a lie that you don't have many gifts. It's a lie you're wonderfully made. The God of the universe made you. Can't be better than that, can you? You know, you can't. You can't be better than that. Some of you are smiling because it's true. When the people of God were taken from Israel into Babylon and they thought their world had collapsed, that actually everything had gone, the temple was not there, God had left them. Jeremiah says this, You have a confident future, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's God. That's God for the people of God. He's got plans for you. You're more than a conqueror. You have the Holy Spirit of God with you. You have the kingdom of God in you. You have the mind of Christ. You are partakers. That means you are part of the divine nature. Isn't that fantastic? That somehow God has taken people who full of sin and death, now full of hope and life. You are a new creation. Sometimes you might not feel it. Sometimes you may not even act like it. But the truth is this. He has made all things new. That's God. That's you. That is the divine nature. That is Christian. That's why, that's why you're called Christians. Christ in you. The hope of glory. These are truths that counter rejection. See, if, if God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. Let's say that together. If God is for you, who can be against you? Let's say it once more. If God is for you, who can be against you? Hey, let's say it a bit louder. If God is for you, who can be against you? Come one more time. If God is for you, who can be against you? Boy. You know, we can deal with rejection. Sometimes you need... A friend, a brother, a sister to help you say these words. Sometimes you need to get alongside someone and say, come on, please can you help me? But you need the appropriate person. You actually want someone who can speak truth. And then you know what? Finally, if you feel rejected, you know you're in great company. In good company. You might think this is a strange way to finish your thing. <laughs> Whose company are we in? Well, you're in this. You're in the company of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be in better company than this. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of a dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us in him. Some of you feel like that, don't you? You've got no beauty or majesty. Nothing attractive in you. This is talking about the Lord Jesus. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Some of you feel like there's nothing in my appearance that we have people to desire us. 
He was despised and rejected by men. Okay? A man of sorrows. You know, rejection. That's what it makes you. A woman, a man of sorrow. Sorrow gets into your spirit. And he was familiar with suffering, like one who men hid their faces. Okay? He felt so despised, felt that everybody didn't even want to look at him. Have you ever felt that? Some people turn their face away from you because they don't actually want to look at you. Have you ever felt that is deep rejection? That you're in a room and you feel like actually everybody's talking, they're not looking at you. Have you ever felt like that? That actually it's like, and that's Jesus, the Lord Jesus, that's how he lived. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our affirmities, carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ got rejected and took on our rejection. Nobody can be rejected more than the Son of God who created the world and that says, came to the world and the world did not accept it. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder that the full notes are available at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 61. And if you'd like to join those hangouts with Liam Thatcher or Andy McCulloch, find all the details on the broadcast website. See you next time.